What's up, Crossroads fam? It's Kenny. Glad that you're here with us for this podcast. We are finishing up our series of Committed. And what we've done, we've taken songs from the group Committed, a group that's from Huntsville, Alabama. We've taken the songs that they sang on the show, The Sing-Off. And what we've done is we put God in the middle of that song to see how if we hear a song, we can actually take the majority of music that's listened and show people how putting God in the middle of it can be a beautiful thing. The song we're doing tonight was written by a minister. He ended up going into music and his name is Al Green. It was in the early 70s, I guess, when this song came out. And it's a song most of you've probably heard. You might have heard it in a commercial or in a movie. Who knows? It might even be on your playlist. But the song is Let's Stay Together. And I think in hearing this song, when we put God in the middle of it, we could see how there are times that we call out to God. Let's stay together. And it's not because he's left. Might be because something's caused a distance between us. But thank you for being a part of today's podcast. Hope that you enjoy it. And as always, welcome to Crossroads. Thank you for being here tonight. I know that there are so many people sick. Uh, we are praying for all those that have the crud and all that stuff. Uh, but excited about tonight. Tonight we will be finishing our series. Uh, so why don't we start out with a video? That's the group committed. They are from Huntsville, Alabama. This is our final night with them. And the way tonight actually started was an interruption. I've been talking about interruptions a great deal this week with the different athletic groups, but it was an interruption. I shared with you back at the beginning of the, the year that um, they God had given me a direction for 2019, and we were going to give that direction to you, but he had stopped me. He, he interrupted what my plans were and says it's not time yet. And last week as we finished the study, when I was driving home, I just came. I just 
God started speaking to my spirit and said, uh, you've got one more of these and it's time to move. So next week, we're going to introduce 2019 to you. Very excited about the direction God's leading us. And um, just, I'm, I'm, okay, so it's going to be, I'm excited. Hopefully it'll be good. Uh, But I hope you've enjoyed this time we've spent in the different songs and looking and taking these songs and looking at it from a different perspective. Uh, One of the things that we find is if you put God in the middle of anything, it changes everything. And so that's what we're wanting to do is, in these songs, how could it be used to talk to somebody about Christ? How could it be used to talk to somebody about the beauty of what God is? How could you use a regular secular song that has no biblical meaning whatsoever, but you can turn it when you put God in the middle of it. Now, this song was by a guy named Al Green. Al Green was a pastor uh, in the late 60s and early 70s. Um, He started a musical career, and this was his biggest song, Let's Stay Together. And as you listen to that song, you come to realize that this is a man that is singing a song to a woman to let her know that he wants to be her everything. He wants to be the one that she leans on. He wants to be the one to provide for, for her. That's what this song is talking about. And when I hear that, I'm just, that's wonderful. But what if we put God in the middle of it? Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 17. The part of this song we're going to focus on tonight is not the whole thing. It's just going to be the chorus. And so let's just look at these words. What did I tell you on Matthew 14? 17. That's where you should be. Good job. Um, Oh, okay, I see what I did. Uh, the, the lyrics to the um, chorus, let's, let's stay together. Loving you whether, whether times are good or bad, happy or sad, good or bad, happy or sad. Oh, it's just beautiful, poetic, right? And as I hear that song and I think about the whole song, there's not a doubt in my mind that at some point there's been a song that come on the radio and you thought, oh, if that girl or that guy, guys, you would be saying if that girl, girls, you would be saying if that guy, if that could sing this song to them, they would know it's from my heart. We would go ahead and buy a picket fence, meaning we're going to get married. We're going to go and put the picket fence up. There are songs that, that spark that in your mind. And if it hadn't happened to you yet, it will at some point. I don't know. Today's music, it might not. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. She only knew how I felt. <laughs> That's great. That's what my son listens to. <laughs> so anyway, this song, though, when we put God in the middle of it, it kind of changes what's going on there. And the thing is, is at some point, we have all experienced that I don't want this moment to end experience. I don't want this time to end. For some of you, you're getting ready for graduation. And as great as the expectations of graduation is and great as the expectations of college is, there's a small part that you're going to look at your friends and go, I just, yeah, I'm ready to go, but uh, I just love being with my friends because part of college is separating. And as, as bad as that might sound, it's a good thing, too, because then you develop new relationships while holding on to your old relationships. But we all at some point have had something where you just didn't want to end. Maybe you were at a friend's house and y'all were just having the best time. Maybe you were on a vacation. It was the greatest vacation ever, and you just didn't want to leave. For me as a youth pastor, I think differently because I think of conferences. And after going to a billion conferences, I hear the same sentiment from students for years and years. Man, I just don't want to go home. 
There's just such a sweet presence here. And I, I literally have heard people say that. And some of you right now are going, a sweet presence? When, they, when you're just in there with a bunch of people worshiping God, if you're in a group and there's 8,000 people that are worshiping God, that's why we've been turning the lights off. The praise team said, well, maybe if we turn the lights off, they'll actually worship God instead of just standing there. They're here to lead you in worship. And when you go to one of these conferences and you've got you know, the greatest artist out there, May and I took a group to Passion, and there was 60,000. And we're sitting there, and Chris Tomlin gets up, and he sings God, great, God's Great Dance Floor, and he sings all these other songs. And then I don't know what the song would have been, but there was one song at some point that everything just stopped. And he started singing, and you felt a different presence because the hearts of people were opened up to worship. And in that moment, I went, I could sit here all night. Now, when they're up and swinging their arms, and there was a lady down there, and she was, she had a, uh, it was, it was different. It's not Southern Baptist, I guess. But as we were sitting there, there were parts of that that I was just, I just don't want to go home. Now, my wife and my son were at home, so of course there was a reason for me to go. But even our conferences that we do through Scott Dawson, or, or, or maybe it's an event that we do like a Friendsgiving, you've had such a good time. And I can remember those times because as a child, I would go to children's camp. And in the middle of children's camp, this was before cell phones and Walkmans, and y'all don't even know what that is. Uh, you didn't have any, any distractions. You had an English lady to go, oh, there's no fluff in the room, and you'd have to clean your room. But other than that, there were no distractions. And you spent time with your friends. But the sweetest part of that time that you spent together was that time that you felt the presence of God. It was when those encounters were happening. And the last day of camp, we would circle around the flagpole, and there's always somebody that's got a good voice, and someone would sing a song, and everyone would cry, and they would, I'm never going to forget you. I love you so much. And then you get on the bus, and you never see them again. But every year, it was that thing. You didn't want the time to end. You didn't want the experience to end because you'd been away from your parents, maybe. And you usually stay in trouble or you were going to have to work when you got home. There was a peach field calling your name. There was some reason that you were really drawn to this. But then that closeness that you had, I can remember that experience. Or maybe it's a beach retreat. This last beach retreat, it was, I thought it was a good trip. I enjoyed it. I know the session time was good because I've heard so many reports about what you did in your sessions. And the thing is, is as I'm reading the cards, I got one card. And I just looked at it specifically and it said, I didn't know this existed. And I was like, you know, there's a beach. <laughs> they said, I'm new and I've never felt loved like this before. And that, those are the moments you go, I just don't want this to end. I just don't want this to end. And it's not just because you're with your friends. It's not just because you're away from certain people. It's because there's, there's a time when you're having an experience with God. And I would dare say that every person that goes to a conference, whether it's a Smoky Mountain conference or whether it's Passion, whether it's Winterfest or whatever it might be, Winter Jam maybe, whatever it would be, at some point you have felt the presence of God and in that moment there's a sweetness that you can't describe to anyone that's ever experienced it. And you don't want that to end. And it's almost like you would be singing out, let's stay together. I don't, I don't want this to end. It is such a beautiful thing. Let's just stay together. In Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. Someone read that for us, please. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them. 
His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. you got to understand what's been going on. These are men that had sacrificed everything earthly that they had ever understood. They got rid of their careers. They, they moved away from their families. They, they did everything they could to separate themselves from the world and devote their time and their relationships to Christ. So for two or three years, we're seeing that these men are following Christ everywhere. And he had just explained to them. He had just predicted his death. He had told them that I was going to die, but in three days I'll be risen up. He explained that to them. Of course, they couldn't understand that because no one had ever died and come back to life. They had never heard of anything like that. They couldn't understand how that was going to happen. They were sitting there with the man that said it would happen. And then he explained to them the cost of discipleship. Discipleship is not a free thing. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you are going to have to pay a price. And it's not a price as if you might be punished, even though if you read the disciples, the way they, their lives ended, many of them were martyred. But the, the cost, the sacrifice of you taking you out of the equation and putting God in the front of everything. And so he had been explaining that to them, and he took several with him, Peter, James, and John, and he took them to this man. He said, I want you to stay here and pray. And as, as he went to pray as well, they had fallen asleep, and all of a sudden there was a presence. And it said that, that Moses and Elijah appeared. And Jesus, his countenance changed. His appearance changed. And as they woke, they saw something that they couldn't imagine. And I can't fathom what that must have been like. Anytime you see something you've never seen before, it takes you a moment to try to register what's going on. But these are disciples that have seen so many things, seen the miracles that Christ had done. And even as majestic as the things he had done, they had never seen anything quite like this. And when they hear the voice of God, it says that a bright cloud came down. And when they heard the voice of God, that they fell on their face. And as they fell on their face, all of a sudden Christ says, don't be afraid. Again, a funny thing to say in the Bible because many times it's horrifying things that are going on when they say, don't be afraid. But he says, don't be afraid. And as they raised up to see, all they saw was Christ standing there. And immediately Peter said, hey, why don't we just build some houses here? I've been watching HGTV. I, I, I could take that twig over there and make a house. And we're going to make one for Elijah. We're going to make one for Moses. We're going to make one for you. And we're just going to stay here. But in verse 9, the first part of verse 9, he says, As they were coming down the mountain, they didn't stay. Those disciples had just experienced, they had just had an encounter that no one else had ever had before. Something had happened to them that no one else could explain because no one else had ever heard of anything like this. They saw the heroes of their faith standing with Christ. And they had to say, let's, let's just stay together here. But it says, as they were coming down the mountain... Because when Christ, when you have an encounter with Christ, it's not for you to sit there and hold it for yourself. It's not for you to put it in your backpack and every once in a while break it open. It's not for you to remember every Christmas and Easter because you're creasters and you only come then, maybe. Not you, y'all are faithful. But there are folks that think, I've gone to church this year because I went Christmas and Easter. We call them creasters. 
And they're excited because, oh, it was just such a wonderful service. Well, come back next week. I'll see you at Easter. <laughs> and then Easter's over and they've killed the rabbit. Or <laughs> killed a rabbit. No, Thanksgiving you kill the bird. You hunt the rabbit's eggs. Anyway, then they get a break again until Christmas. That's not what's, what the encounter with God is about. It's not for you to get a little pick-me-up or a pat on the back so you can feel good about your life. That's not how God works. When God encounters you, when you encounter God, when you have that moment, there's got to be a change in your life. There, there's no way that you can experience something like that and be the same. Things change us in our life. And it could be anything as simple as a new person that we're dating, a new person that comes to our school, something that we saw on television. It can change the way we think. We'll love this sports team for a while and then like this other sports team. We like this kind of food for a little while and then we don't like this food for a little while. Changes come in our life. But this is a change that you can't deny. When Christ comes into your life, when you surrender yourself to Him, there has to be a change. And if there is no change in your life, I'm just curious. Did you truly have an experience with God? Because when you have that experience, there's a desire within you to let others know about it. One of my favorite things is to listen to teachers. And I get a lot of calls about you. Compliments, for the most part. But compliments. <laughs> but I, listen, I love listening to teachers and, you know, we don't have revivals as much as we used to. There used to be, every year there used to be a revival, and they would always have a children's day. It's pack the pew night. Here y'all go on and invite your friends. We're going to have pack the pew night. Yes, we are. And we're going to pack a pew. Hallelujah. And you get 75 kids sitting on a 10-foot pew. And they're squeezed in there, and if one of them sneezes, they're, they're going to pop and go everywhere. But you squeeze them in there, and it never failed because they were in front of someone preaching the gospel. They were in front of someone delivering the message that God had sent for them at that moment. They had an experience. And I would hear teachers, and they would say, yeah, they went to that revival down there at Page Chapel. Hey, really? Yeah, they came in and said, oh, teacher, teacher. Probably didn't say it like that, but they like, I got saved last night. And we'd have teachers calling us, go, hey, so-and-so got saved last night. I said, that's wonderful. And they would come back to church and go, hey, I heard you made a decision. I got saved, Brother Kenny. Who did you tell? Everybody. I said, why did you tell everyone? Because I was excited. When, God, when you encounter God, there's an excitement. When there's a surrender of your heart to who God is, there's an excitement that builds. And it's something that you can't squelch forever. It's something that you can't cover forever. It's something you might suppress from time to time. But if you had a true experience with God, at some point, He's going to explode out of you. A small child walked to the pastor and she says, I really want Jesus to come into me. I want Him to come into my life. I want Him to come into me. And the pastor said, well, that's wonderful. And he, he squatted down with her and started talking to her. She said, but I, I just can't. And he said, well, sweetheart, why can't you? And she said, because I'm just a little bitty girl. And if you put Jesus in, inside of me, he's going to come out. And he said, that's the point. When Christ comes into you, it's supposed to go back out. He's supposed to go back out. <clears throat> when these disciples had that experience, they wanted to stay together. But Christ said, no, 
We're not staying together. There's something else we're supposed to do. Um, turn to John chapter 14. I think it's natural for us to want to stay in those moments. Uh, I can remember um, because my mother was a, a secretary for the association here in Chilton County. It was called Chilton Unity at the time. My mother was a secretary, and Miss Myrtle and my mother were best friends. And so as we we're coming home from camp one year, Miss Myrtle said, my mother's told, uh, your mother has said for, for you to ride back with me. And so I loaded up into her small car, and she said, well, how did you like camp? What did you think about it? And I said, it was wonderful. And she said, well, do you think you want to go next year? I said, I want to go back right now. And she said, well, but we can't go back. I said, why? She said, because our time is up. It's time to come back to the real world. And it's natural for us when we're having those wonderful times to not want to get back into the real world, to not want to get back into the, the mundane life that we might have or the, the fast-paced life that's going on. It's natural for us, just as it was these disciples. These disciples whose life was wrapped around making sure people knew who Jesus was. But in that moment, they didn't have a job to do other than to worship. And in that worship, they didn't want to be away from it. And that's not the only time it happened. John chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 5, please. Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I come from and where I and I know where, and I am going. But you have no idea where I'm, where I come from, or where I'm going. You ju- you judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. What, what were you reading? Thank you. That's okay. Hey, that's good. That's a good word. It says in God's word that the word of God will not return void. So somebody needed to hear that. All right. Now hit up the one I'm looking for. <laughs> Hey, at least he's reading. Y'all ain't even bring your Bible. Oh, sick burn. Go ahead. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You you believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if you are going to prepare, prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you take you to be with me and that you may also be where I am. You know the you know the way to the place of where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Thank you. This passage of scripture has always been special to me because it was my father's favorite passage. And one of the last things I remember, one of the last clear conversations I had with my father, when he was in the hospital and I was sitting there with him and I said, uh, Pappy, can I read some scripture to you? He said, yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. And my dad was King James only. So I broke out the King James Bible and I knew his favorite passage was John chapter 14. And so I just started reading. And the first word I said, my dad took over from there. My dad lost his eyesight for years. He couldn't see. He had macular degeneration and he would hold things here to try to see it, but he had studied God's Word and had so many passages that were built up in his heart, it seemed to, to, to coax him through those times that were difficult. And he started just quoting this, and it just it resonated in that room, because my father had that deep bass voice, and he's just laying there in his bed, and as he's saying it, you could just see a certain peace that flowed over him. And I remember asking him, I said, Daddy, that's always been an important passage to you. I said, why? He said, because it promises me that I'm going to have a house in heaven. 
I'm going to have a part of it. I'm going to have a room in heaven. I'm going to have a mansion in heaven. However you want to describe it. It might be a, a lean-to. I don't care. It's going to be in heaven. And I said, is that special? Of course it's special. And I said, what's so special about it? He said, son, my whole life we've had a roof that leaked. And I said, yes, sir. He said, we've lost furniture because the roof leaked. I said, yes, sir. He said, there won't be a leaky roof in heaven. And he just kind of smiled. And he just kind of looked off for a second. He said, I ain't going to have split firewood no more. He said, you know, your, great, your great-granddaddy lost his big toe cutting firewood. I said, yes, sir. He said, yeah, his name was Pink. And he tells you the same story over and over again because he had Alzheimer's. But as he's sharing that story, there's a certain beauty about him sharing that passage. And I just wanted to sit there and I would give anything to hear my daddy say that scripture again. One day, one day, I'll hear it. But just to hear him say that passage, and as I was reading it today, I just started thinking, man, just to be with my dad, I don't, I don't want to lose that. I want to look at my dad and say, let's just stay together. But dad's not here. As long as I can remember him, part of him is here. But as I'm reading this scripture, I started seeing that the disciples were in the same quandary any of us would be in. If Christ were in here with us right now and he sat down with you and y'all were cutting up and having a good time and he said, well, I got to go. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. Why so soon? Don't, don't rush off. Stick around. We'll, we'll order some pizza from the people's pie. And we'll, we'll go get some wings from neighborhood. That's a plug for all of our church members that own restaurants, I guess. We, we will... We'll eat because we're Baptists. Jesus, we're Baptists and we eat. So just don't go. He says, no, no, no. Y'all know where I'm going. And Thomas says, well, how will we know where you are? When we do our trips to Brooklyn, we, we do a little time where I talk to the students or talk to the adults or talk to whoever's there and go, okay, here are the rules. Don't go to jail. Don't die. Enjoy yourself. And then we go through serious things like, okay, we're going to be on a subway. There's going to be 8,000 people and two of them speak English. Here's what you need to know. If you get off at the wrong subway stop, don't try to get back on because those doors will cut you in half. They really won't, but that's what you want people to think. And so if you get off on the wrong place, don't fret, my pet. Another train will come. Or you can just walk up to the street and you can call one of us and say, hey, I'm standing at the corner of walk and don't walk. What do I need to do? No one? Thank you, Brian. So I'm standing at the corner and I don't know what to do. We will find you. And the thing is, is I will tell them, hey, we're going to the 9-11 Museum. So as soon as y'all can, sometimes we get split up. As soon as y'all can, at 4 o'clock, we're going to be at the 9-11 Museum. And they say, well, how will we know how to get there? I said, well, you got directions. And the thing is, is what we have found is that when we do those special excursions, nobody wants to go their separate way. They want to stay together because they don't want to be lost. And as the disciples who had followed Christ for all this time, these three years, they dedicated themselves to Him, and He says that I've got to go. They don't want him to leave because the person that they had talked with, the person that they had consoled them, that had had shown them direction, had given them right from wrong. He's saying, I've got to go. And I often wonder what it must have been like for a disciple. Now, there's parts of me that, that look at what the disciples went through and thought that would be awesome to be there. But then there was a part of me, too, that thinks how horrible it would be. Because for three, li- three years, you've lived a life following Christ and all of a sudden he's gone. 
God in His beauty knew that they were going to need something else. They were going to have to have something else. And so these men that had followed Christ, when He left, they didn't have anything until the Holy Spirit came. And Jesus said, I will ask my Father and He will send you a counselor. He will send you a comforter. And that Holy Spirit comes to dwell. And I often wonder, was it easier to live when Christ was on the earth, walking the earth, or is it easier to live as a a follower of Christ now because the Holy Spirit dwells within us? Because as Christ was walking the earth, He was confined to wherever He is. Uh, How many of y'all have ever seen the Brady Bunch movie? Y'all need to watch some old stuff. It's terrible. Um, but in that movie, the dad of the show, or the movie or whatever, he says, wherever you go, there you are. And Jessica will laugh. She thinks that's so funny. But that's the truth. Wherever Christ was, that's where he was. If he was sitting here in Clanton, you couldn't be in Birmingham and go, Jesus, I need you right now. He was there. But the Holy Spirit, being fully God, is in every believer. You know, we talked about the um, omniscient God, the all-knowing God. We talked about the, the, omni, uh, the all-powerful God, who is omnipotent God. And we talk about the all-present God, the omnipresent God. And that's the Holy Spirit. God knew that we were going to need something, so the Holy Spirit came to dwell with us. And so from now on, you never have to say, God, let's stay together. Because He's like, well, I ain't going anywhere. When you say... I want to surrender my life to you. Or maybe you said, I want you to come into my heart. Or I want you to come into my life. Or maybe you just say, God, I suck. Help me. And it came from your heart. And He changed your life. He came into your life. He's never gone anywhere. He says He would never leave us or forsake us. And so in the midst of our lives, when we're so busy and everything's going on, and life gets complicated, and we feel like there's something missing, there's something inside of us as followers of Christ that has to lean back and go, but He's not gone anywhere. He's not gone anywhere. Jessica was walking through the house the other day, and I had a senior moment. I guess I can have those. I'm old enough. I'm 48. That's close enough. But as I'm sitting there, she walked through to the laundry room, and I fell asleep like that. It was awesome. I just, I was like, <clears throat> and I did that little kick, and I woke up, you know. It was like I was trying to crank a motorcycle or whatever. And I woke up, and I was like, I wonder where Jessica is. Because I had no idea how long I'd been asleep. I can't see the television or whatever. So I'm just sitting there, and it's stone silence. Barrett had been sick with the flu, so like he's dead in his room. We hadn't seen him in a couple of days. Every once in a while, we'll just slide something under the door and hope he'll eat it. But Jessica was so quiet. And I just sat there, and I was like, okay, what if she's standing right behind the chair, and she's going to scare me? Oh, I'm probably going to wet my pants. This is going to be awesome. I'm probably going to wet her pants, too. It's going to be great. And so I just sat there, and I was like, she wasn't. And then I played the next thing. I wonder where she is. I bet she's in the laundry room. So I slip into the laundry room, and I'm like, skaka. She wasn't in there. I was like, okay, that's two rooms. She don't ever go in a spare bedroom. She don't go downstairs. She won't go upstairs. She's not in Bear's room because he's got the plague. Um, she's in our bedroom. So I walk back here and I see the cover, and there's like a little pile of cover right there. I said, that go her feet? <laughs> it weren't her feet. It was just a pile of cover. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 
have that stupid Kenny moment because I watched TV, somebody stole my wife. And I'm thinking, surely Ziva would have attacked. Super Ziva's German barking bites you. She would take care of this. But I had that thing like, what if she's gone? What if she looked at me and went, ah, I can't do this anymore. I can understand that. But what if she just left? I and I had that just weird moment. I'm sorry. I got brain damage playing football in the 80s. Weird things happen up here. And I'm like, she's gone. And I started feeling kind of, I started feeling kind of, how's Barry going to raise me? He's, he's just a child. And I got up and walked outside and I hear, gah, 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 and I was like, we don't have one of those. Whatever that is, we don't. She had got a, a paper shredding machine from her father. And I don't know if it was love letters from me that she was getting rid of, but she was getting rid of stuff. And there's smoke flying everywhere. And I was like, Hey, are you okay? She's like, yeah. So I thought you were gone. Well, now I've been right here. And there's a lot of times because of the silence in our conversations, in our relationships between us and God, till we feel like he's not there, but he has promised us he would never leave us or forsake us. There's never an instant where he's not with us. Now you can choose to ignore him, just as you can someone sitting next to you. You can choose to ignore the person. You can find a different way to walk in Walmart so you don't have to talk to that person. You can busy yourself up with things so you can forget that you surrender to God. But He's never gone anywhere. You don't have to sing, let's stay together. He's with you. And then the second thought that came to my mind was this, this thing we call Crossroads. I shared with you last week that you set a record, and that was not a boastful thing, that was a congratulations to you, that there were, as an average of 70 people, we've never done anything like that before. But then I started thinking the next day, there were 11 guests here that weren't from West End Baptist Church. There were probably eight people here that have been coming here for a couple of years and just have never joined the church. And God's really put on my heart that what God does in here on a Wednesday night in our midweek is much bigger than being a part of a church. It's being a part of the church. And God has really opened my mind to how can we reach a community. And you are an example of how our community is reached because you're inviting people to come be a part of what God is. And the sweetest time is when we're together. So let's stay together. And let's bring others in so they can experience the closeness that they can have with God, the relationships that they can have with each other. But most importantly, they can experience what it truly means to fall in love. And that's a surrender to Christ. Let's stay together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love. Thanks for being a part of today's podcast. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Uh, go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find links to all my social media. Or, hey, just stop by and send me sometime. West End Baptist Church in Clanton, Alabama. Or you can come on a Wednesday night to Crossroads. Love for you to come be a part of what God's doing here. And again, thank you for being a part of Crossroads. Thanks for being a part of Crossroads.